All right, glad you're with us. Preview day of Robert Mueller's big testimony day on Capitol Hill tomorrow. And the media is breathless. Hysteria has broken out. They're excited. Predictions of impeachment, impeachment expectations once again rising through the roof as they normally would. And yeah, it's probably none of it is going to work out the way that they want, the way that they say, the way that they expect. And there's every bit of evidence now out there and available that would tell the Democrats that, well, two of the biggest liars in Congress, we have the cowardly Schiff. And then, of course, we have Gerald Nadler. They have been promising themselves for over two and a half years that we got him. 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 And they actually have nothing as usual. And they raise expectations. They can't believe they cannot believe that that it hasn't happened yet. Four separate investigations have all come up and given us the exact same thing. And that still is not stopping them from from hoping and praying and, and hoping and praying that, in fact, that Donald Trump is guilty, guilty, guilty of something that he's not guilty, guilty, guilty of. And at the end of the day is going to end up backfiring in their face and then they're going to end up with egg on their face and Donald Trump will now move on as president and they will look stupid and they'll try another investigation. You know, I've gotten some pushback on the fact that I am going to be giving a tutorial to some Republicans on how they need to spend their five minutes. We only have five minutes. And then Nadler tried to take away the five minutes from some of the members that are on his committee. Same with the cowardly Schiff. And you can't, by the House rules, you're not allowed to take away somebody's five minutes. Now, there are guys like Jim Jordan. I'm not worried about Jim Jordan. Devin Nunes, I'm not worried about Devin Nunes. John Ratcliffe, I'm not worried about him. Matt Gates, I'm not worried about him. They are fully informed, up to speed on all of these issues. And frankly, were it not for these few people in the Freedom Caucus... We would not be where we are today knowing about all of the abuse of power, all of the corruption, all of the FISA abuse, all of the, you know, the origins, if you will, of this investigation into all things Trump, this counterintelligence investigation known as Crossfire Hurricane, which really is Crossfire Boomerang. And I'm just saying that I think that there are questions that need to be answered. I'm going to get to those in a second here. Um, What was shocking today is the FBI director says that he has confidence in the IG Horowitz probe of possible misconduct and of the FBI and FISA abuse. And when it comes to exposing Comey's potential misconduct in concocting Russiagate charges and against President Trump, the FBI director has never sounded particularly enthusiastic about putting his agency under a microscope. And but today, Ray offered a full throated endorsement of the investigator who's doing just that. So maybe Director Ray, who has not shown any inclination at all up to this point to get to the bottom of all of this, which to me has been a disappointment and a little bit of a surprise. But when he was questioned earlier today by Lindsey Graham about the DOJ inspector, General Michael Horowitz, And his integrity, Ray expressed confidence that the agency's inspector general would do his due diligence, that he's objective, that he's fair, that he's professional, that he's thorough. And I have no reason to doubt the integrity and the quality of the investigation he has underway. Well, that that's really good progress. I'm really happy about all of that. 
Now, we also are learning some other things in the lead up to tomorrow's hearings. I was a little shocked to find out that Director Ray hasn't even bothered to read the entire Mueller report. That was a bit of a shock. I was also in the Politico today. One more name to the list of prominent government officials that haven't read the Mueller report. The FBI director being one of them said I reviewed it. I wouldn't say I've read every single word. He said the director told, you know, one of the senators on Grand's committee today when being asked if he'd read the 448 page document. Turns out the head of the FBI is not alone. More than a dozen members of Congress have told Politico that they haven't read Robert Mueller's findings in their entirety, despite all the hype about it for the last two years. Now, a big to do was made yesterday when a letter was sent out from the Department of Justice. The AG knew about it and it was the AG's staff that sent it and they sent it to Robert Mueller and it was giving Robert Mueller their advice and counsel on on the answering of the questions in the hearings tomorrow, because Mueller has said, remember the nine and a half minute disastrous press conference that really Bill Bard bailed him out of with a joint statement hours later, because uh, as soon as the report was done, well, Robert Mueller was very clear in conversations with the attorney general and others that, in fact, as on the issue of obstruction, that Department of Justice policy and constitutional issues that may or may not surround the indictment of a sitting president were not any consideration uh, in terms of his report not to conclude on the issue of obstruction, which, by the way, according to special counsel statute, it would be the final determination of the attorney general. Attorney general was never under any obligation to release any of the Mueller report, but he did. Now we find out, even though the media was going nuts, how dare Barr try to inject himself into Mueller's testimony. This is outrageous. They're trying to intimidate him. Well, the fake, phony, fraudulent, rush to rush to conclusions, make no inquiries, uh, media mob, just like they rushed to judgment on this, you know, Kid Nicholas Sandman, and they had 10 seconds of videotape, which turned into a week and a half of them calling this poor kid a racist and blaming him for the incident when the exact opposite had happened, and he handled himself perfectly, and the only thing good to come out of the media's rush to judgment and failure again in that case is they're going to pay hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to Nicholas Sandman because he's got the greatest attorney, the perfect attorney for that case by the name of Lynn Wood. And they're not going to get away with calling a young 16-year-old kid a racist the way they did even after the facts and the truth were well known by everybody that Nicholas Sandman did not approach Nathan Phillips that Nicholas Sandman did not engage the the black Hebrew Israelites that were attacking verbally the this young group of kids that were there and this one kid that happened to have a Make America Great Again hat on. But back to the point, it turns out that it was Robert Mueller himself that actually requested the letter from the Department of Justice in terms of their advice and guidelines and their interpretation of what his role will be in tomorrow's hearings. Because the fake news media mob, they spent most of last night and this morning hyperventilating over this so-called warning letter sent by the DOJ to Robert Mueller, claiming it was a last-ditch attempt by Donald Trump and the Trump administration to discourage Mueller from telling all he knows. 
In fact, the alleged warning wasn't a warning at all. It was a DOJ guidance letter that was requested in writing by Robert Mueller himself. Here's the AG explaining it. And in conversations with the department, uh, his staff was reiterating that that was their position. And they asked us for guidance in writing uh, to uh, explain uh, or to tell them what our position was. So we responded in writing. The department sent the guidance they had requested. So Mueller actually requested to Yes. Uh, secondly, what do you think of uh, Congressman Nadler lashing out saying this was arrogant to send this letter? Well, he was misinformed as to the facts. And thirdly, on Congress, any reaction to them holding you in contempt? No. Nothing? Goes with the territory okay. these days. Thank you. Now, Mueller works for Attorney General Barr. At the time, he was working for Rod Rosenstein. That is, for him to ask for guidance would be a normal course of business. It wasn't offered. It wasn't a warning letter. It was nothing of the sort. When are these people ever going to stop being so wrong? When are they ever going to think maybe they look hyper-partisan and stupid Every time they rush to judgment, Cambridge Police, Trayvon Martin, uh, Ferguson, Missouri, UVA case, uh, Duke Lacrosse case, Richard Jewell, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, Freddie Gray. Everybody gets it wrong every time. Nicholas Sandman, they get it wrong all the time. And then they always repeat. It's like a it's like a loop. Whatever the talking point of the day is, they don't even think of their same talking point. You know, if, if it's Russia, 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 collusion, 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 then it's stormy, stormy, stormy. And then it's uh, what's that? S-hole, S-hole, S-hole. Now it's racist, racist, racist. They can't stop themselves. And by the way, Republicans, they want to see Nellie Orr's investigation files on the Trump family, which I think is a separate issue and apart. But I'm just throwing that out there. That's something that's going to be big in the days ahead. Um, one of the funnier pieces of behind the scenes information that I've gathered is that Nadler is out there, according to CNS News, he's rehearsing testimony for tomorrow's Mueller hearings. They're having practice sessions. Well, guess who else is having practice sessions? Well, that would be Robert Mueller himself, apparently holed up in his William Hale prestigious law firm, I assume conference room, being peppered by fellow special counsel members on how to answer questions. And, you know, there's been some of you have a little bit angry that I announced that I am going to on television tonight lay out a bit of a tutorial on how to what questions to ask and how to ask them. Now you might think that's pretty arrogant. Hannity, what makes you think that you can you can teach a congressman or woman what to be asking? Well, this show and our ensemble cast, we have been in the forefront of doing what the rest of the media was too lazy and partisan to do, and that is we have been exposing the biggest corruption, abuse of power scandal in history. And to be very blunt, I don't think there are many people that know as many details as I happen to do. Now, I'm not worried about Devin Nunes. He doesn't need my help. John Ratcliffe doesn't need my help. Jim Jordan certainly doesn't need my help. He can teach me. They, they know more than I do. Because they have access to things I don't have access to, to, to. You know, there have been many times things would come out and questions that I had asked maybe many months ago. And I would ask some of these congressmen, and to their credit, 
they if it was a question they didn't have the ability to answer uh, because of of whatever reason, most likely security reasons and classified information and it's not redacted yet, et cetera, et cetera, um, then they wouldn't tell me. And I would just ask my follow up go to question was always, do you think I'm over the target? Well, what does that mean? I would always ask all these guys, am I over the target? Is there anything I'm saying here that that I'm wrong about? Is there any do you think that I'm on the wrong path with this? Now, why would I ask that question? Do you, am I over the target? Am I am I asking good questions here? Because I have a, a, a responsibility to you, my audience, to get it right. I have a responsibility to get it right. You know, it's even, even when I just ask questions, they say conspiracy. No, it's not. We've been right. They've been wrong. And if Mueller sticks to what he said he would do and the guidelines that he asked for, Democrats aren't getting anything out of him tomorrow. But the Republicans have an unprecedented opportunity. And I don't want to come on the air here tomorrow or go on the air tomorrow night and regret that I didn't tell them exactly how they need to handle it. Because there are some dumb, weak, spineless uh, Republicans that that probably haven't even read the Mueller report. And frankly, they need to be asking questions that we, the people, need answers to. This is an opportunity and probably the only opportunity we're going to have to to get Mueller on the record and ask very pertinent questions. Now, Republicans have an advantage. Their questions won't be a part of the Mueller report. It's going to be about why he chose to ignore things that were clearly related to Russia that he didn't... That he he didn't he didn't ask didn't inquire about he inquired about other things that were frankly meaningless in comparison. By the way, we're finding out last minute that uh, Robert Mueller kind of needs to bling his blankie with him, and they're trying to get Aaron Zebley, who I believe is the surprise. It may be somebody else. I'm not sure who is his deputy. Um, because that means that Mueller will be able to say, uh, what do you think, Aaron? Uh, what do you think, Aaron? And go to him repeatedly. And that means that Mueller may not have the confidence to pull this off himself. Let me, let me tell you why this is important to me. For those of you that have been critical of me saying that, well, Hannity, you're going to give away the questions and you're going to tell congressmen how to do their job. Let me be very clear. There are people on these committees that frankly, have been amazing in this investigation. Devin Nunes, John Ratcliffe, uh, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, Doug Collins, Mark Meadows, phenomenal people, Louis Gohmert. These guys know this inside and out, upside down. I am not a Republican. I'm not a registered Republican. I'm a conservative. I look at what has happened here. Everything from Hillary Clinton we have incontrovertible evidence she committed multiple felonies and they rigged her investigation and gave her special treatment. And on, you know, all these Democrats feigning moral outrage over obstruction, there's never been a bigger slam dunk case than Hillary subpoenaed emails. So you're asking, well, Hannity, what makes you so arrogant? Why would you think, you know, because there are some people, sadly, that don't do their jobs. I would rather talk about anything else than the premier law enforcement agency 
and intelligence agency in the world having a few corrupt people. Not rank and file, just a few. I, it's just, I, it's repugnant to me. I'll explain on the other side. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. I'm going to get back to um, exactly why I this is so important to all of us. This is important to the country to get tomorrow right on Mueller. You know, this this new development, the surprise, you know, it's like Robert Mueller's going to bring somebody else now. Okay, that's that's last minute news. Why? So that person can bail him out when he gets in trouble because they don't have confidence in his practice sessions. And we'll get back to that. I don't know how many of you have seen the video yet, but I will show it tonight on Hannity. We put it up on Hannity.com. This, to me, is one of the the most heartbreaking things I've ever witnessed as a lifelong supporter of law enforcement. Most of my family comes from law enforcement. I've mentioned many times my mom was a prison guard. Many, many 16-hour shifts, 25 years. My dad worked in family court probation. I had many, many relatives, I mean, more than I can count, that were on the NYPD. I almost joined myself when I was nearly 20 years old, 19 or 20, somewhere in there. I was appointed to the academy. I decided last minute not to do it. I don't know why. Um, We had two guys that made it to the FBI, and they were deity in my family. I don't like this topic of talking about a few, not rank and file, but a few that abuse power or advancing in a, a political agenda and doing things that really are so corrupt that it impacts our entire system of justice if we don't get it right. That's why tomorrow's questioning and the five minutes every Republican congressman gets is so important. And because we've followed it now for as long as we have, I'm, I'm not worried about most on that committee. And that's why when I look at this video from yesterday of New York City police officers, frankly, uh, it shocks the conscience. Soaked repeatedly buckets of water dumped on their head in these viral videos that have gone out. And the fact that this is allowed to happen and we have pictures of everybody involved. I'm looking at the pictures. We have videos. You know, you probably have seen, you know, two completely unprovoked attacks against NY cops. Now, I have a, a buddy of mine that's a, a boat captain. I call Captain Howie. I won't give his last name because he may not like it. You know, he was involved. He was a member of the NYPD. Once had acid thrown in his face and he's blind in one eye. These cops have no idea what's inside of these buckets that they're throwing in their face and on top of their head. Rudy Giuliani said the video shows shown just the contempt that too many people now have for the police. Thanks to politicians like Bill de Blasio, he said, who usually side with criminals instead of cops. He pointed the finger squarely at comrade de Blasio. Footage shows the separate incidents of people. In one instance in Harlem, New York, another Brooklyn, New York, using buckets to splash and dump water on uniformed officers as the cops were calmly walking away. Anyway, Bernie Kerrig joins us. He's a former commissioner of the NYPD and author of the bestseller, The Grave Above the Grave. Thank you for being with us. I, I don't I don't even know what to say, except my heart bleeds for these guys. I cannot believe that this has happened and it was allowed to continue to happen. You know what, Sean? That's what happens when you have a leader uh, in the city like de Blasio, 
who has, you know, perpetrated this anti-cop rhetoric from the day he took office. And the, the most disturbing thing about that video for me yesterday was watching that last cop walk away with his head down. They threw a complete bucket of water. No, they, they doused him like you would a coach uh, after yeah, a big game exactly. victory when they take the big Gatorade bucket and pour it right over his head, the whole bucket. And he, and he put his head down and he just walked away embarrassed um, and, and completely disrespected. But you know what? Those cops know exactly what they could have, would have, or should have done. Those, those people could have been arrested for obstruction. They could have been arrested for criminal mischief, harassment, disorderly conduct. But those cops did not do it. And that's the most telling part of this. They didn't do it because they know they work for a mayor in a city where they're not going to be indemnified. They're not going to be supported. The mayor is an anti-cop mayor, and he is just one of many from all over this country, whether it's Portland, Oregon, where the mayor of that city stands down the cops when the when the people are being attacked by Antifa, or it's somewhere in Washington or California, all over this country right now, you have Democratic left-wing liberal and socialist mayors and governors that are allowing this kind of conduct and villainizing the cops. How do cops handle this going forward, Bernie? How do they go? How do they handle this? Well, I I think what you're going to see is you're going to see cops basically backing down from the communities. You know, you want cops to go out there and be proactive. Never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And this all started starting back during Ferguson. And as much as I despise and hate Jim Jim Comey for what he's done to this country, the one thing I would agree with him is when he said that there's a Ferguson effect that came out of Ferguson that's having a negative impact on cops all over this country. And what we saw with that, those buckets of water is a part of that. Well, we can't allow this to happen all summer. Every case now, everyone feels free to go ahead and douse cops with with buckets of water. And then what's going to happen if if like what happened to my buddy, Captain Howie, who had to he he went out on disability, he was blinded in one eye because he had acid thrown in his face. You know what happened, Sean? I want you to think about New York City prior to 1994 when they had 2,400 homicides, yeah. when, when mothers and fathers were putting their babies in bathtubs to protect them from random gunfire, and Rudy Julie came in and said, nobody wants to work, live, visit, go to school in a place where they don't feel safe. And by the so way, the mayor was called a racist Julie. almost every day. Every day. The New York Times slaughtered him. New York Civil Liberties Union, every single day. The Mayor Giuliani's Uh, but Mayor Giuliani brought that murder rate down from nearly 2,500 a year to under 500 a year through new policing, stop and frisk, and people were safe. 65 to 70% reduction in murder and a 65% reduction in violent crime, the most substantial in the history of the country. Never before done, hasn't been done since. Bottom line is, it can be done. Mayors and governors can take back their cities and states, but you're not going to do it with this leftist socialist mentality that basically basically villainizes the police and victimizes the thugs in the streets.
All right, Bernie Kerrig, uh, former NYPD uh, commissioner, who spent how many years were you the head of New York prisons and Rikers? How many years were you that? Six, six years at Rikers, two years in the NYPD. So you know what my mom did for a living. Wasn't a great job, was it? It's a, that's a rough job. That, that is literally one of the most difficult jobs in public service. All right, thank you, Bernie Kerrig, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Let me just address this issue for just a second here. Tomorrow, um, and it's interesting to me that all of us saw a surprise guest. Now they're going to have two people, one to bail out Robert Mueller, and I assume that his practice sessions probably are not going as well as planned. That's my assumption. He didn't do well in the nine and a half minutes that he read that statement that I, I didn't even think that he wrote. I don't even I have no idea why Robert Mueller would ever have picked or chosen Andrew Weissman with his atrocious record. And then apparently we now know all personnel hirings went through Weissman for the special counsel's office, which explains the guy that was at Hillary's victory party, the guy involved in. The Enron accounting scandal that was beaten 9-0 in the Supreme Court that sent innocent people to jail for a year, Merrill executives, that was overturned by the Fifth Circuit. And even hiring Clinton's attorney, uh, Jeannie Ray, in this particular case, to be part of Mueller's team. I don't know. I want to know. But the questions that the Democrats are going to ask now that we, you know, Robert Mueller has said he's going to stick to the Mueller report. We'll see. They're hoping to get one nugget. Whether they remember before Michael Cohn testified, there was, what, eight hours behind the scenes discussions with Adam Schiff's committee. I hope none of those shenanigans uh, happened in the lead up to this. But who knows? We'll find out, hopefully over time, if it did. But I just want to tell you something. You've got to understand what's at stake here, and why this is so important. These Republicans now, we have the Mueller report. It is, as I went over in great specificity and detail yesterday, there's no, they found no evidence at all of any conspiracy as it relates to Russia. None whatsoever. Zero. Zip. Nothing. It's right there. We read it all day yesterday, the Mueller report to you. And they're hoping, even though Robert Mueller in the Mueller report outlines how hard it would be the defense answers to any obstruction when there's no underlying crime and the fact that okay maybe the president did in a moment of anger ask don mcgann who i can't understand why you know we we didn't invoke executive privilege once the president didn't invoke it once i don't know why the white house counsel a president has the right to legal advice without these people being quite but whatever they they told everybody to cooperate with congress with every investigation, with the special counsel, Don McGahn, 30 hours. So even if the president did in anger, he said, fire Mueller. Okay, well, McGahn didn't fire Mueller, and Don McGahn still worked for the president. And then I, this is a witch hunt. This shouldn't go on. Mueller should be fired. Didn't fire Mueller. How do you have obstruction? By the way, under Article 2, the president had the authority to fire him. But... Let me get directly to this question of all Hannity. Why are you going to give a tutorial? Who, well, who do you think you are? It's not about Sean Hannity and who Sean Hannity thinks he is. It's not about, unfortunately, there's a reason that I am not a registered Republican. And I am in New York. I am a registered conservative. 
And I have been disappointed by many Republicans in Washington. I am most disappointed, for example, on the repeal and replace issue of Obamacare. Because starting in 2010, when the Tea Party movement really hit its its peak, you know, that was the that that was the battle cry. That was when Obama lost 69 seats, 63 House seats and six Senate seats in his first reelect. By the way, Trump did a lot better, but the media wouldn't tell you that part. And the president gained Senate seats and the president only lost about 40 House seats. Bill Clinton lost what, eight Senate seats and 50-some-odd House seats. And the only reason I bring this to your attention is we now have to get to the bottom of, was there a rigged investigation to stop and prevent Hillary Clinton from being indicted on what is, I think, overwhelming and incontrovertible evidence that she violated the Espionage Act with top-secret classified emails in that mom-and-pop shop bathroom closet? Is it obstruction? Democrats claim they love obstruction and they believe in it. And we got to hold people accountable. Obstruction of justice. Mr. Mueller, if somebody's subpoenaed and given preservation letters and they're told to hand over emails and they decide to delete them and wipe their hard drive clean and have an aide bust up their devices and remove SIM, SIM cards, is that obstruction? These are just these are the easy ones. You know, at what point? Mr. Mueller, did you realize that there was no, as your report concludes, collusion, conspiracy with Russia to impact of, with the Trump campaign to impact the 2016 election? How have you ignored the fact that Ukraine says they were working with and are willing to provide evidence of uh, working with the DNC and to help Hillary Clinton win? How, when did you learn about Hillary Clinton's bought and paid for phony Russian dossier? Around when did you learn? So I'm going to go through this. I'm going to do it in detail. I'm going to save it for Hannity tonight. It's not because it's not about me. We came so close. If people are going to be able to, in these positions of power, if they're going to be able to rig investigations to help one presidential candidate, and then they're going to use bought and paid for Russian lies of that same candidate to then backdoor and spy on the other candidate, and then when the other candidate wins, then they're going to spy on their transition team, and then they're going to spy on then a president of the United States, and if we don't get to the bottom of it, we're going to lose our country. That, it is that simple. This is not a time for congressmen to be ill-informed. This is not a time for them to be polite. This is, not a time, this is a time for them to demand answers. And when you only have five minutes, my 30 years of experience in media, I would like to share the little bit that I've learned, not out of arrogance, out of a desire to get to the truth. And Republicans, their majority of their questions won't be answered in the Mueller report. Because Robert Mueller did not address these important issues. And that in and of itself is question number one that deserves to be answered. All right, that'll be tonight at night. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to update you on Iran. We also will get back to this topic. Um, and we're going to have, well, who is Robert Mueller? The man of mystery, the man behind the curtain, somebody who knows him. 
That's coming up. There's a story out that Iran's intel ministry says that they uncovered a U.S. CIA spy ring. They've arrested 17 suspects and sentenced some to die. Uh, I know it's a breaking story. Uh, I don't know that uh, Fox News has confirmed it yet, but what can you tell us about that? I can't add much to it specifically, having had the chance to lead that great organization, the Central Intelligence Agency. I would urge everyone who's reading that story waking up to understand that the Iranian regime has a long history of lying. Uh, they lied about where they shut down the American UAV. They've now lied in the last few days about where they took down this tanker. It's part of the nature of the Ayatollah to lie to the world. Uh, I, would, I would take with a significant grain of salt any Iranian assertion about actions that they've taken. So you don't believe that they have arrested these individuals. If these are Americans, we want to bring them home. We don't want them put to death, obviously. Wainsley, there are many Americans that have been held, detained inside the Islamic Republic of Iran. It goes back, far back as Bob Levinson. Uh, so there's a long list of Americans that we are working to get home from the Islamic Republic of Iran. This is a nation, as I talked about before, for 40 years has behaved in ways that normal nations don't. You don't take other country citizens and hold them hostages for political gain. Uh, I think this is just further evidence of the outlaw nature of the Iranian regime. I think Iran doesn't know where they are. I've been watching and reading a lot of reports, and right now they're a very mixed-up country. They don't know whether they're coming or going. Uh, they have tremendous problems economically. Their country's in turmoil. They're having demonstrations all over Iran. Their inflation rates at 75 percent. Uh, they have a lot of problems. So whatever it is, it is. Uh, I'm just going to sit back and wait. Let's see what happens. But I will say they are doing they are doing very poorly as a country. And we'll see what happens. Uh, we did actually, because uh, they said no. And, uh, you know, it's a religious country or religious leaders, but they lie a lot. Uh, we did shoot down. Unfortunately, we had to shoot down a drone. Uh, the drone came down. You know how it was, how it came down with a new technology that's actually quite amazing. Uh, but uh, we took down one of their drones. Instead of saying, yeah, that happened, they lie. They say it didn't happen. So uh, we have, uh, there's a lot of proof. It's called, uh, take a look at it on the ocean floor. Just go down there, take your scuba gear and go down there. And All right, that was the uh, president responding to the threat. By the way, what are the Brits doing here? Why am I reading that the Royal Navy might not have the capacity to actually protect the British tankers in the Straits of Hormuz? Now, I pointed out almost 20 million barrels of oil a day go through those narrow straits, which, again, the, the narrowest point is only 21 miles wide, not wide at all. And so they have been strategically critical for the free flow of oil at market prices and the ability of these tankers. They, they don't have much room for error. Two miles on either side is about the distance that they have to navigate We've now seen the videos of this tanker being boarded by the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Um, if they do want the United States uh, to help them militarily, I'm sure we will help the Brits. It's a little disconcerting that they can't help themselves in this particular case in the sense that they don't seem to have the ability to protect their own tankers. But more importantly is the question of Iran and what is now the the saber rattling ratcheting up of tensions 
uh, shooting tankers or trying to sink tankers and taking them hostage and holding them and shooting down drones. And obviously this aggression is born out of the fact that the president's sanctions are working dramatically. Now, it's about 20 percent of the world's oil supplies go through those narrow straits of Hormuz. In spite of what the squad may tell you, that is the lifeblood of every economy. The idea that that's going to go away is next to zero. That is not going to change in the next 10 years. But for the United States, at least, it is less strategic to us, the Straits of Hormuz, than ever before, as we have now achieved something we had not achieved as a country in 75 years, and that is energy independence And we are officially a net exporter of energy. And frankly, we've only just begun to touch the surface, the low-hanging fruit. We have the ability to bring hostile regimes to their knees as soon as we begin producing enough oil, natural gas, coal, that we can then send to our allies because it's the lifeblood of their economy. And I think we're in the press. Same with Russia, another hostile regime. Russia wants to mess around with our elections the way they did in with Biden and Obama in their years, there will be consequences. The easiest way to get compliance from Russia is to compete with them because that is the only source of wealth in their economy. Anyway, here to analyze what this means, what potential military action may occur. I know everybody's fixated on Mueller, Mueller, Mueller tomorrow. We'll deal with Mueller tomorrow. But this is real life today. And at some point, there's certainly going to be a lot of discussion about whether or not these radical mullahs in Iran, whether those that chant death to America, death to Israel, those that threaten to wipe Israel off the map and wipe America off the map, if we're going to stop and prevent them from ever acquiring nuclear weapons. As I've been saying, it's a simple mathematical formula in my mind, A squared, radical extremists that have no qualms about tying bombs on little children and promise them God and Allah and virgins in heaven if they kill innocent Americans or or obviously anybody from Israel. Um, would they then use weapons of mass destruction if they have them? I think the radical, insane ideology of theirs would say yes. And that could equally C-squared modern-day Holocaust. Anyway, Scott Eulinger is with us, retired CIA ops officer, Russian intel ops expert. John Jordan is a commander in the naval intelligence community. Lisa Deftari, uh, foreign desk editor-in-chief, uh, by the way, uh, discussing us, and she's a commander in the Navy intelligence community. She's a foreign desk editor-in-chief, and uh, thank you all for being with us. Thanks, all right, Scott, John, let's sure. start with you. Strategically, the straits are important. It is the lifeblood of every economy, oil. of the world's oil supply, about the equivalent of 20 million barrels of oil a day, pass through those straits. The world needs about 100 million barrels of oil a day. It's a lot of oil to keep every country, every economy up and running. Uh, Now that they're showing the hostility, what do we do? That's right, Sean. Another thing is that some of our allies are very dependent on Iranian oil, including in particular Japan and Korea. So uh, we need to basically foster our allies and encourage them to use their militaries, their naval forces, 
to uh, protect their own shipping. Um, as we've seen, the British are, because of basically progressive social policies in their country for the past decade, their Navy has been eviscerated, and they are sometimes even maybe unable to protect their own merchant traffic. So that's something maybe we're going to have to help them with as well. Well, I don't doubt in the short term, although I'm kind of getting sick and tired of, you know, I don't mind helping our allies out. The Brits are good allies. I do believe that the Prime Minister, uh, John Jordan, is pretty weak, unfortunately, and, you know, we'll We'll see what with the next elections. She obviously will be out and a new prime minister will be in and we'll see what the policy becomes. Uh, America's been now since Donald Trump has been elected in the middle of a massive military buildup, which I hope includes the next generation of weaponry. So we don't have to send kids door to door like we were doing in Baghdad. Um, and and we could literally fight future wars from the air by pushing buttons in Tampa Bay, Florida. Right. That's that's very true. And uh, I think you had it when you said that, um, you know, the, and, and President Trump and, and the secretary of state Pompeo are correct that, you know, the regime is losing is losing traction amongst their own people in Iran. And President Trump's judicious decision not to attack Iran was not what the mullahs wanted. They wanted a, a strike on Iran to try to rally support for their faltering regime. So the president has been very good with handling this because he hasn't given the Iranians what they wanted. Well, the idea that we're going to bribe dictatorships, John Jordan, is just dumb. Um, uh, you know, we know Bill Clinton tried it with Kim Jong-il, and we know that Biden and Obama tried it with Iran, $150 billion in cash and other currencies, the worst, frankly, the worst deal ever made in the history of foreign policy, in my view. Absolutely. And the British tried it with Neville Chamberlain and Adolf Hitler in the 1930s. So they, of all people, ought to really understand this. The issue for the British right now is they're kind of between two chairs. They've got to push me, pull you a foreign policy here with Iran. First of all, the Royal Navy only has uh, six frigates, six destroyers, and 13 frigates, not all of which are even fully manned or available. They don't have the capacity to project force in the Persian Gulf in sufficient quantity. Moreover, the Germans are even in worse shape. They have six submarines. Um, not, none of which are presently seaworthy. So the idea of a European uh, force operating independent of the United States just isn't realistic. Even the German frigates don't even have surface-to-air missile capability. So the idea that there's going to be a European force independent of the United States and they're going to effectively conduct their own foreign policy with regard to Iran is ridiculous. Moreover, you look at the INSTEX payment system, the attempt by the Europeans to do a workaround around our, the US American sanction regime. That didn't work because European companies didn't want to risk secondary sanctions to the United States. So Europe and England has effectively dealt themselves out of this conflict. Well, if they did, I mean, they're far more dependent on outside sources of energy than we are. Um, that puts the United States in the position of probably having to help them. Uh, Lisa uh, Daftari, let me ask you, because I think this is crucial. I mean, if, the, if they're going to basically not do and spend and invest in their military and don't have the ability to protect their own tankers in the Straits of Hormuz and we help them out, to me, they ought to be paying us for such a service. I mean, look at, look at the roundabout that we just had with, with regards to the Europeans and their foreign policy vis-a-vis uh, -vis Iran. The, the Europeans never wanted to be talking about military action against Iran. They wanted to be talking about how they could still remain a part of the Iran nuclear deal. So these are very inconvenient truths that just sprouted up in the matter of a couple of weeks. And now, you know, the French, the German, the, the British all have a lot of, of reflecting to do about what their relationship with Iran uh, will be going down the road. Macron still 
uh, met with Iranian advisors while this was going on, while the UK's uh, oil tanker was in, in Iranian possession. So I think that, you know, when, when, this, when we're talking about what the capabilities of the UK is, they're not interested in even, uh, you know, having that military strength, of having that leadership. You know, this is what we talked about during the Obama years, that when you are involved in, in foreign policy um, discussions at, at the very least, at the, at the bottom level, whether it's just discussions or we're talking about major escalations. And right now we're somewhere in between with Iran. But when we're talking about these issues and then you back down, that defines your relationship with not only that country, but that defines your placement uh, you know, on the international stage. All right, thank you. Uh, hang on right there. We'll pick it up. Scott Eulinger, John Jordan, and Lisa Daftari with us. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program. All right, as we continue, Scott uh, Eulinger with us, retired CIA ops officer, Russian intel ops expert, John Jordan, and also Lisa Daftari, <coughs> foreign desk uh, editor-in-chief. Uh, thank you all for being with us. All right, so bottom line is, what is America's role ultimately going to be on this? Because as I said to the mullahs, I sent a message last Friday on television to them. This president is very clear. He's not going to put boots on the ground. This president is very He's not going to bribe you. This president, if he sees the need and the escalations continue to rise, this president will act decisively. And if I had to imagine, the main targets are going to be the nuclear facilities, whether they're buried deep down in the ground or not. Is that a likely possibility, Scott Eulinger? And I'll ask John and Lisa the same question. Scott. I think I think so, Sean. Uh, uh, President Trump has shown real, uh, really good restraint and has not fallen into the Iranian mullahs trap to date. But I think he's shown enough strength that the mullahs actually fear that that is the case, that they will be slammed if they cross a certain red line that has not that Trump very cleverly has not put out there. You know, and I think another thing I wanted to bring up is how Trump's actions against Iran are actually empowering our intelligence agencies because a strong policy against Iran emboldens freedom-loving Iranians to come forward and work for people like the CIA who are in the government because they see their regime as potentially going down and none of them want to be caught on the SS Titanic. So this, his decisive actions in the person. All right, we're running out of time. John Jordan, do you see any obstacles of the United States, Israel, Jordan, Egypt, the Saudis, the Emirates decide they want to take out the nuclear sites? Can they do it without using a tactical nuclear weapon? No, but just to amplify, what we have here is we are starting to see cracks in the Iranian regime. You know, about two weeks ago, 150 mid-level officials were arrested by the Iranian by the Iranian regime. So I think we're starting when you when you have an unjust autocratic society, those societies by definition are expensive to run. You have a lot of people you have to pay off, and a lot of people to keep happy. And that's true in China. It's true in Russia also. So I think you're starting to see the, you're starting to see these cracks and a lot of unhappiness, and uh, and I think that bodes well. For for, for the future and for, uh, right. for President Trump's strategy. Last word, Lisa Daftari. Yeah, Sean, I think you use the, the, the optimal word is targeted. I think whatever aggression is taken out against the Iranian regime has to be targeted towards the regime and not the people, so that we keep the people, our biggest ally in all of this, on our side. Whether it's targeted strikes, whether it's sanctions, they should be in the sectors that matter more to the regime and not to the people, although right. the economic penalties trickle down anyway. I think that, that it's very important to maintain that distinction. I would not be surprised if at some point 
all of the above happens. Quick break. Right back. Thank you all for being with us. When we come back, who is Robert Mueller? You'll meet a former member of his security detail to talk about, well, the man behind the curtain. That's all coming up straight ahead. And when it comes to charging somebody as being an agent of a foreign power, that's a different standard of evidence. Well, it is. And the charge for someone in that in that position could be very different, right? It could be charging someone with espionage or it could be charging someone with mishandling classified evidence or there's all sorts of different ways that somebody who you think might be acting uh, on behalf of a foreign power might have violated the law. All right. Those are the words. Now, if you pay very close attention of uh, Fred Humphreys, retired FBI agent, former member of the security detail assigned to Robert Mueller. um, We know we know certain things about Robert Mueller. We know that he was the head of the FBI and and some of the prosecution, some of the case involved Whitey Bulger. There's been some controversy, varying opinions on roles that he played in that particular case. We know him as the FBI director. We know he served his country. On paper, I would tend to look at Robert Mueller as somebody that I would like and admire on paper. Um, But I've watched how he has handled this entire, well, I I believe in myself, a witch hunt, and we're learning certain new details every day. Why would he ever pick Andrew Weissman with his atrocious track record to be his pit bull, as the New York Times called him? Or why would he pick Andrew Weissman to be the guy that hired all of the special counsel staff that resulted in the hiring of only Democratic donors and even included the hiring of Hillary Clinton's former attorney for the Clinton Foundation. And he himself, Andrew Weissman, showed up at Hillary Clinton's victory party. Uh, Then we have John Solomon's article that two weeks after Mueller's appointed, he tries to immediately make a deal to dig up dirt on Donald Trump with the Ukraine and offering an oligarch uh, basically a get-out-of-jail-free card on all the charges he was pursuing against this guy if he would give him dirt on Donald Trump and and possible Russian collusion conspiracy in the 2016 election. And I'm thinking, wow, you're two weeks on the job and this is what you're doing. You couldn't find a single one. Now, when you look at Weissman in particular, you're looking at a guy here that License to Lie, written by Sidney Powell, who is now the attorney for General Flynn, has pointed out numerous instances where exculpatory evidence was withheld in cases that he was involved in, and he was even excoriated by a judge for it. We have the case where literally he sent four Merrill executives to prison for a year, but that was overturned uh, on appeals, and he lost in the Fifth Circuit. And by the way, you know, a lot of convictions overturned because of prosecutorial misconduct. This is this is common information. When you read Sidney Powell's book, License to Lie, it is a chapter and verse on what a prosecutor should not be. But he became Mueller's first choice. Another case, remember, overturned 9-0. That's, that's an accomplishment to get nine Supreme Court justices to agree on anything. But he did it. It was overturned 9-0 in the Supreme Court, not before thousands of Anderson accounting employees lost their jobs because of his involvement in that case. And he has an extreme political bias. And uh, anyway, joining us to give us a little bit of insight into the man behind the curtain, that being Robert Mueller, on the eve of him testifying tomorrow, is retired FBI agent, former member of the security detail assigned to Robert Mueller. Uh, Fred Humphreys is with us. How are you, sir? How many years were you in the Bureau? 
Hey, 21, Sean, and thanks for uh, reaching out and talking to me about this. And I would like to just clarify very quickly that while I served on the director's detail as a SWAT agent on, on, on a few occasions, I was not directly assigned to his detail, but I did work with him at headquarters and on some major terrorism cases for which I was a case agent uh, throughout the Seattle field office and, and in the Tampa field office. I looked at your bio, 21 years FBI, uh, certified in training, counterterrorism, counterintelligence, special ops, special weapons tactics, SWAT team, uh, evidence response teams, ERT, human intelligence, uh, also a nine-year veteran of the United States Army, having served in the enlisted, non-commissioned, and commissioned officer ranks in infantry and military intelligence branches. Um, on paper, I look at Robert Mueller as somebody that Sean Hannity would instinctively like. But then I look at the hiring of Andrew Weissman, only Democrats. And I look at the fact that he, he literally handed off all the hiring to Weissman, the hiring of Jeannie Ray. And I see a very biased team that he put together. And I don't understand why anybody would ever do that. Well, Sean, you know, I find the same thing interesting. When we first saw Robert Mueller come as the director of the FBI, I think we were all enamored with the fact that we had a former Marine, um, and a decorated Vietnam uh, veteran coming to take take charge. I first met Director Mueller in 2002 uh, at headquarters, and then again when I moved to headquarters it was a, and was assigned there. And I think what was really sad was that I started seeing him sort of envelop himself with cronies. You know, our former director, Louis Free, probably the most uh, beloved and arguably the most respected FBI director, spent most of his career trying to get agents out of headquarters to the field to do investigations. Uh, when Director Mueller came, it was just the reverse flow of that. We started bringing people back, very junior people, some people without a lot of investigative experience who, you know, took the opportunity to, you know, encircle the director and, 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 you know, kind of tell him the things that he wanted to hear sometimes that may not have always been accurate. And sometimes, you know, as a field investigator, we always looked at evidence and then built our theory. And, you know, there seemed to be a lot of theory building and then going to try to find the evidence to support the theory, which is just the inverse of what really, you know, we would want to do as, as good FBI investigators. Let me ask you from your observations, he was it was a very broad mandate that he was given by acting attorney general Rod Rosenstein to investigate all things Trump, Russia, or wherever, wherever the road leads. We know the road led to FARA violations. Very rarely are they brought up in any legal sense or prosecuted. Usually people end up, you know, having to apply back time, whatever work they did, as a, you know, lobbying foreign agents, whatever, foreign countries, etc. Then we got the issue of taxi medallions and Michael Cohn and loan applications for Michael Cohn and Paul Manafort and unpaid taxes. Paul Manafort, by the way, bad idea. Don't lie on your loan application ever and pay your taxes. Simple lessons. Um, how did we avoid completely a bought and paid for with funneled money through a law firm to an op research firm put together by a foreign national? What turns out to be uh, the FBI concluded in a 90, 90 plus percent lies in a spreadsheet they had formed in 2017. How did that become the basis of a FISA warrant? And Hillary Clinton paid for the Russian lies, and it led to a backdoor spying operation on then candidate Trump, then presidential transition team Trump, and then the president Trump. Sean, that baffles me as well. I've been a field agent who's applied for FISA warrants. I've been the headquarters supervisor who appeared before the uh, FISA court as the affiant. And, 
you know, the process doesn't begin when you get the warrant, as I heard previously. Uh, it, it begins when you start that process of validating that the very information you're going to present before the court is beyond all repudiation, as accurate as it can be. And in this case, I can't understand how that document made it to a FISA court. I have spent months and months on you know real sincerely problematic people trying to get FISA warrants, and yet this one seemed to have gone through the skid so quickly um, and through all the different gates that are intact to prevent that very thing from happening. Well, we, we now know a couple of things we didn't know at the time. We now know, Fred Humphreys, that there was direct warnings given to everybody at the DOJ and the FBI in the upper echelon. And by the way, I do, I make a very clear distinction when I'm talking about those that I believe abused power and those that I believe were corrupt in all of this, those that I believed exonerated Hillary and she was guilty of violating the Espionage Act and guilty of obstructing justice and those that used the bulk of an unverifiable document I view that as premeditated fraud committed on a FISA court to deny the civil rights of an individual, but more more in a more sinister way to also spy on the Trump campaign. I'm only talking about a few people, and they, but they just happen to be the most powerful. And there is a big distinction here. But I look at this and every FBI special agent I know is aghast at what has happened here. Uh, yeah, abs- what, absolutely. Why? And if I could, if I could say back in 2012 and, you know, I was I went to Congress in 2012, October of 2012, to Eric Cantor, trying to tell him that there was a climate on the seventh floor, and of course that's the command suite of the FBI, mm-hmm. that somehow politics were being injected into the investigations that we were conducting, particularly in the case of the Petraeus case. I can't go into details about that. It wouldn't be fair, and it would be inappropriate. Well, the, but the agent feared that the FBI was stalling the Petraeus investigation until after the 2012 election. That was a fear at the time. That's right, and I was the agent who expressed that fear. And mm-hmm. I went to, uh, and that was five months after the initiation of the investigation, and four months after we knew who was, you know, responsible for sending those texts and, and sort of what was going on. And when I went to Congress, my issue wasn't to try to embarrass the the person, the subjects. It was to get the FBI to act. You know, we don't get to pick our victims. We don't get to pick the timing of the crimes when they happen. We owe the American taxpayer and the victims the responsible, you know, expedited, very quick investigation to come to some resolution. And in that case, in 2012, it dragged and dragged and dragged. And that's when I finally went to Congress uh, to say, hey, you know, this isn't right. It's either ineptness or politics or a combination of both. And what I find really surprising was when I learned that Robert Mueller was going to be the special counsel, because in my mind, he is the person who put the mechanism in place with the people that he appointed that allowed 2016 to occur as it did. All right, as we continue with Fred Humphrey's retired FBI agent, the thing that, you know, shocks me in in all of this and, and I think this is fertile ground, which is why I've been going over on this radio program, and I will go over in great detail tonight the questions that I want most asked tomorrow. And i got to tell you something. This is not a fun story for me, Fred Humphreys, because I think that the ensemble team that we have on radio and TV, we've pretty much been in the forefront of breaking a lot of news that has exposed this. Instinctively, you know, my mom worked 16-hour shifts for 25 years as a prison guard. My dad was family court probation. My family is full of NYPD cops. Two of them, two people became FBI special agents 
um, for 28 years each. And I got to tell you something, they were deity in my family. And so I have a, a natural appreciation for those that protect and serve. You, you guys don't carry a gun for for just the kick for kicks and giggles you you carry a gun because you you have a dangerous job and the same with our intelligence community it's the premier law enforcement agency in the world and we have the premier intelligence agencies in the world but these tools are so powerful that a few corrupt people with political agendas that can save one candidate from certain prosecution and then have a premeditated fraud on a FISA court that spies on the other candidate and then the transition team and then the presidency, uh, all as part of what I believe was an insurance policy, makes me wonder. And I want to know what Robert Mueller knew and when he knew it about all of these things. And did he really fire Struck and Page or was it McCabe, as McCabe claims he did? And McCabe is the one that said without the dossier, the dirty Russian dossier, we didn't have the FISA application approved to spy on Carter Page and President Trump's campaign. Um, and. You know, why did he not investigate all of this, especially because he had a lot of time to investigate superfluous matters, things that are not nearly as they're important. I want all lawbreakers held accountable, but this is not nearly as important as what we're talking about. Well, I agree. I, I, I think that's really what needs to be answered as well to, to the American public to understand that, hey, this can't happen again. You know, especially the, the weaponizing of a FISA warrant against a U.S. citizen albeit, you know, President Trump or any U.S. citizen. Those things are designed to look for agents of foreign powers. And, you know, people will frequently say, hey, the FISA, you know, it's a slam dunk. Well, it's only a slam dunk in most cases, uh, and the FISA judges generally agree to approve them because extraordinary measures have always been made to ensure that the information is correct. And I Has to be. And by the way, if you and, find out it's not correct, you're supposed to correct it with the court. They never Absolutely. did that either. As soon as it happens. And, every, and the other thing, you know, and every 90 days you have to show that, hey, this is producing and this is not dragging and that we're making progress. Right. And that I got to take I got to I got to have to let you go. But do you think the likelihood is he will be fair or will he be political tomorrow? Robert Mueller, your prediction. You know, hard to say. One on one. He's a very you know personable, decent guy. I don't believe he's prone to lying. Um, but my fear is that he may leave something unsaid that can appear to go either way. And I think that sometimes, you know, the omission of a statement can be right. problematic. And, and that's that's where I would hedge my bet. Fred Humphreys, thanks for serving your country. Appreciate your insight. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. So when I see Israel Institute um, law that that recognizes it as a as a as a jewish state and does not recognize um the other religions that are that are living in it and we still uphold it as a democracy in the middle east i almost chuckle because i know that if you know we 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 say we see that in in any other society we would criticize it. We would call it out. We do that to Iran. We do that to any other place that sort of upholds its religion. Uh, and I see that now happening with Saudi Arabia. And so I am aggravated, truly, um, in, in, in those contradictions. You know, if you ask anybody in uh, walking on the side of the street somewhere in the middle of the world, they will tell you America the Great. 
but we don't live those values here. Um, and so that hypocrisy is one that I'm bothered by. I a lot of the policies uh, that we have put in place has kind of helped lead um, the devastation in Venezuela. When I talk about places like Saudi Arabia or, you know, um, Israel or even now with, with Venezuela, yeah. nobody wants to face how the actions of the other people that are involved in the world have contributed to the rise of um, the, the radicalization yeah. and the, you know, the rise of the terrorist acts. But the thing that was interesting in the class was every time the, the, the professor said Al-Qaeda, he sort of like his shoulders yeah. went up and, you know, yeah, he's in like, command here. Al-Qaeda, you know, he's an expert. <laughs> You don't say America with an yeah. intensity. You yeah. don't say England yeah. with yeah. an intensity. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't say um, the army with an intensity. CARE was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something. For all of you that have aspirations of running for office, for whatever lived experience and identity that you represent, if you are not prepared to come to that table, and to represent that voice, don't come. Because we don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. We don't need black faces that don't want to be a black voice. We don't need Muslims that don't want to be a Muslim voice. We don't need queers that don't want to be a queer voice. I will always refer to him as the occupant, as he is only occupying space. Does not embody the grace, the empathy, the compassion, the integrity that that office requires and that the American people deserve. Our squad is big, and given the size of this squad and this great nation, we cannot, we will not be silenced. Yeah, I'm not going nowhere. Not until I impeach this president. We must get back to the original view of the Civil Rights Act and ensure that all marginalized communities have the protections they need under the law to combat discrimination, both in the private and the public sector. We need bold action, folks. And I know what's happening out there. You know, there's all of this young women, and it's beyond just the four of us. The squad is all of you. And I can tell you, there's, you are all the squad. Trust me. If you for, support equity, you support justice, you are one of us. All right, there you have from the squad, now the real leaders of the Democratic Party and the most influential, certainly among the 2020 Democratic hopefuls, those that would desire to be your president as every candidate, every least alleged candidate has uh, said or announced candidate has said that they adopt some version of this insane Green New Deal. Now, you know, if you think about everything that's gone on here and you look at the leadership and you see the fear, I keep saying Nancy Pelosi is speaker in name only. Okay, it, who, does Nancy Pelosi, has she had any impact on any of the 2020 Democratic presidential hopefuls? No, but who has? Well, let's see, Ocasio-Cortez, the real speaker of the House. Remember, all of these 2020 hopefuls on the Democratic side, they're, they're buying into some version of, well, yeah, we're going to get off oil and gas, the lifeblood of our economy, and we're going to get rid of the combustion engine and eventually planes and cows and everything is guaranteed from a, a job, vacations, uh, basic income, retirement, education, pre-education, pre-K education, all the way through college education, trade school education. It's all free. 
taxpayer-funded healthy food, housing, health care, and on and on and on. And by the way, how are... How do they how we're going to pay for it is all these people care about. We're literally going to be over in 12 years. And then it even gets a little worse than that when she refers to the U.S. as garbage, um, as she calls the president racist, but really doesn't seem to mean a whole lot because she's been calling Nancy Pelosi racist, as have other members of the squad. Um, you know, Pelosi's singling out. It's gotten to a point it's disrespectful, the explicit singling out of newly elected women of color. So there you have it. It's the new Green Deal that would destroy this country. Within a, it'll destroy the economy. Absolutely, positively, you don't have to have a Harvard MBA to figure it out. And Trump, his supporters, Nancy Pelosi, everybody's a racist. We're a garbage country. We really are a garbage country. And then we have Congresswoman Tlaib's, you know, all of her nefarious comments, writing for Louis Farrakhan's magazine, calling the president racist, also obsessed about the Green New Deal. But she's most known from day one calling the president a MFR and wanting to impeach the MFR. We showed tape last night before she ever became a candidate in 2016 during a speech that Trump was giving at the Detroit Economic Club. She's had to be hauled out by security because of an insane outburst. And then, of course, we have Congresswoman Omar. And, yeah, she's the one that says about Israel, it's all about the Benjamins. And she's the one that wants to boycott Israel. She's the one that has made comments about Israel having hypnotized the world, and she prays Allah will enlighten the world and wake the world up to who Israel really is, and then compares Israel to the to Iran, and compares uh, Israel to Nazi Germany, and the boycott of Nazi Germany, as Ocasio-Cortez has used a concentration camp analogy when she talks about uh, people that are being detained at the border, except those people are fed. They give them food, water, medicine, supplies, cots, blankets, baby formula, pillows, and every other comfort, which, by the way, the squad voted against funding. In our news roundup information overload, uh, Kaylee McEnany, National Press Secretary, Trump 2020 campaign, Jeff Lord, author of the bestseller Swamp Wars, Donald Trump and the New American Populism. How did the squad accumulate all this power and what impact will they have on the 2020 race? So on the issue, Democrats and the surprise guest that we already know about. But who would you pick, Jeff Lord? <laughs> it's too much to hope that it would be Andrew Weissman. Yes, uh, it, it, would, it might be too much to hope for. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I have no idea, unless he's going to drag somebody who had this kind of a job before, Ken Starr or whomever, which I seriously doubt. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, when I saw this story that the Justice Department had put out a letter instructing him on what he could and could not say, the very first thought I had before I knew anything else was it must have been a response to a request from Mueller. And sure enough, eventually I kept reading, and that is exactly what happened. He wrote a, a letter to the Justice Department yes, he uh, did. about this. And, well, well and, you're announcing because the news channels went crazy last night. They went and said, oh, my gosh. Well, the, Robert Mueller just received an email from the Department of Justice saying what he can and cannot talk about, that he must stay within the, within the constraints of what the Mueller report is and not go beyond it, and which, by the way, is what the stated statute says, but putting that aside, and they're trying to stop him from saying what he wants to say. But Mueller requested that the DOJ give him that guidance, uh, as we found out today. 
That's exactly right. And, and I, you know, this is the old order, as I talk about my book, Swamp Wars. This is the old order at work. They play this game here, and he, he is a, he, whatever else he is, he is a crafty Washington insider. He knows exactly how this system works. So he writes this letter so that when he's sitting there tomorrow, if he's asked something he doesn't like, he can refer to the instructions from the Department of Justice and clam up. That's exactly what he did it for. Now, I would imagine Kaylee McEnany. Well, first, let me let me go to the news report, because I think this was kind of a little bit shop, shocking. You know, this was on Fox where Bill Barr, Mueller says Mueller was asking for guidance on what he was allowed to say in testimony. And he asked for the guidance. He asked for the letter. That's not the way. And Nadler, again, lies to the American people because the Democrats, I think, are nervous. Mueller is actually going to... St- Stick to the report that he wrote, and if he does, it's over. And in conversations with the department, uh, his staff was reiterating that that was their position. And they asked us for guidance in writing uh, to uh, explain uh, or to tell them what our position was. So we responded in writing. The department sent the guidance they had requested. So Mueller actually requested to Yes. Uh, secondly, what do you think of uh, Congressman Nadler lashing out saying this was arrogant to send this letter? Well, he was misinformed as to the facts. And thirdly, on Congress, any reaction to them holding you in contempt? No. Nothing? Goes with the territory okay. these days. Thank you. Goes with the territory, of course, when it comes to Schiff and when it comes to Nadler, two of the biggest liars and conspiracy theorists in Congress. Both have been promising now for a couple of years that they've got the goods on Trump and only to disappoint and and build false expectations, which I expect tomorrow will be uh, Kaylee McEnany. That's exactly right. And it is amazing that all today uh, CNN was running with a chyron uh, that the Justice Department demands that Mueller stay within the four corners of the report. We all now know that not to be the case, as Jeff just said, as you just heard from the Attorney General, as you said, Sean, it was in fact a response to a request from Robert Mueller, not a demand of the Justice Department, but that doesn't stop the fake news headlines, of course. Uh, Also negated in all of this is the fact that Robert Mueller himself said, I will stick within the four corners of the report. Doesn't stop the fake news, but what I want to hear from Robert Mueller tomorrow is why in the world did you not look into the Russia disinformation that was packaged into a dossier by a British spy uh, and used to spy on the Trump campaign. And it is it is absolutely within your jurisdiction. It is a matter arising from the Russia collusion investigation. And you derelicted in your duty. And he needs to answer that, as I'm sure Jim Jordan and others will ask him. All right, quick break. Right back. Uh, we'll continue with Kaylee McEnany, Jeff Lord. Also, your calls coming up in the final half hour. All right, as we continue with Jeff Lord and Kaylee McEnany in the lead up to the Mueller report, I'm going to put my questions and give a little tutorial of my opening monologue to Republicans on how to ask questions. And, well, because I, I, listen, there are some that will be absolutely amazing. But if the question's longer than 10, 11, 12 seconds, you've gone too long. And it needs right. to be, when did you know that there was no collusion? And then if he starts spinning, he say, Mr. Mueller, I don't have a lot of time. When did you know? Around when did you know? Follow up. Then it needs to go from there. Then it's Mr. Mueller. When did you hear about Hillary Clinton's bought and paid for Russian dossier? 
When did you learn, Mr. Mueller, that that dossier became the basis of the FISA application in October of 2016 that allowed a backdoor spying into the Trump campaign? You know, and then if he won't answer, Jeff, it, sir, when did you learn about it? Around when? We need an answer. Why, sir, did you investigate taxi medallions, FARA violations, loan applications, old taxes from years gone by, but you didn't look into what the New York Times said was Russian disinformation that Hillary Clinton paid for? How did you avoid that? That is right. As, as Kaylee was just mentioning, and I, and I went back, you know, I mean, my by now dog-eared copy of the Mueller report, I, I, I took a look at the special or at the order from the deputy attorney general that set up uh, Mueller's office and here we are in section uh, B part 2 and it says that he is charged to investigate any matters that arose or may arise directly from the investigation they can put that very succinctly Hannity style to him and find out why no no inquiry into the role of Hillary Clinton with this dossier and all of that i mean this is just completely but that's the one thing jeff the, the republic Republican questions are the questions that he can't say it's in the Mueller report. He can't say that. He can't say, I stand by what I wrote in the report. And the other thing he can't do is he can't go back to a position that he initially had, which was it was not a factor, meaning Department of Justice policy or constitutional considerations of whether he can or cannot indict a sitting president. That was not a factor in him deciding not one way or the other on the obstruction issue, but passing it to the attorney general, deputy attorney general and office of legal counsel. And they all said there's no obstruction. So well, he can't go back and say, well, I thought he might have obstructed. I think he might have obstructed. That, that doesn't it's meaningless if he says that. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I mean, this is why he was seeking a way out with his letter to the Justice Department. I mean, I, 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 honest to goodness, Sean, as I say, when I first heard this last night, I, I, I was certain on the spot that he had asked for this to give himself a way out. And that is exactly what's going on here. I mean, this is going to be amazing to watch yesterday. He is going to stick as close to that thing as he is like it's like it's the word of God. All right, Kaylee McEnany and uh, Jeff Floyd, thank you both for being with us. We've got to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue more of the Sean Hannity Show on the other side. At the bottom of this half hour, we'll get to your calls. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be with us. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. We're going to get to your calls here in a second. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Let me just point out the obvious. Whatever it is, it's going to be universal. It's going to be intense. We'll ignore the squad calling Trump garbage. We'll ignore the insanity of the Green New Deal. We'll ignore the impact that this Green New Deal is having on every 2020 Democratic presidential hopeful. Uh, we will ignore the instances of, of frankly, virulent anti-Semitism or calling America garbage. Um, we'll ignore the fact what's all about the Benjamins. We'll ignore writing for Louis Farrakhan's magazine. We'll ignore uh, bo boycotting uh, Israel and comparing Israel to Iran and comparing Israel to Nazi Germany. Uh, we'll avoid the comparisons and the silly, frankly, 
infuriating analogies if you actually know what a concentration camp really is. Well, you wouldn't make the comparison of detention centers where people give are well-fed and they're given food and water and medicine and cots, blankets, baby formula, pillows, and supplies um, in what is an untenable situation for everybody caused in part by the Democrats. Um, and you're going to compare that to death camps to like Auschwitz. It is beyond insulting. No criticism of any of that. The use of the race card doesn't matter if it's against the president or against Nancy Pelosi, but that is the power base of the new Democratic Party. And everybody seems to be afraid of the squad. And the media loves it because anybody that's against Trump, they love. They wake up every second minute hour of every 24 hour day. This is what they do. Now, you know, if you want an example of just how the media is, and this is a small example, and I can go on for the entire three hours one day. And they have now used in the last week the word racist thousands of times in the media, thousands. And this is just their pattern because first it's Russia, 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 collusion, 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 collusion. Then it becomes stormy, 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 asshole, 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 you know, and then it becomes the next uh, racist, 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 racist. This is who they are. Now we've got this and we've laid out the history every two, four years. This is what Democrats do. In presidential and off-year elections, they elect Republicans. Black churches are going to burn. Uh, what they said about Bush, it was like my father was killed all over again, and talking about the dragging death of a man by the name of James Byrd. And President Bush, no, he did not support hate crimes legislation. He supported the death penalty for the the ev- for any evil people that could drag a human being, any soulless evil human being that would do that. And even the people that they like, like John McCain, they like John McCain until he ran for president. Then they beat the living crap out of him. Every Republican that runs for president, every conservative that runs for office will always be labeled a racist, a sexist, a misogynist, Islamophobic, xenophobic, homophobic. Uh, They'll be labeled as uh, destroyers of the environment that they and their children will be breathing dirty air and dirty and drinking dirty water. They want grandma and grandpa to first eat cat food and dog food before we throw them over the cliff or have a Paul Ryan lookalike throw them over the cliff. This is who they are. But they do it with the aid and support of a very corrupt news media. As is, This is just a small example of what I'm saying. They say the same things. They repeat them over and over and over and over and over again. President Trump today denying that his racist tweets were racist. Not since Woodrow Wilson showed birth of a nation in the White House has an American president been so flagrant in his racial messaging as this one. This feels like the president really owning uh, the idea that that he's he's saying things that are attractive to white nationalists and racists. He has joined Andrew Johnson as the most racist president in American history. Wake up today, the question is, what do you call someone who says clearly racist things? This morning, the answer is Mr. President. So we're at a point where Trump is more racist than neo-Nazi. But first, we want to start with this week in Russiagate. 
We're about to find out if the new president of our country is going to do what Russia wants. It is as if there are no shoes on the Trump human centipede that are not about Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. Donald Trump is afraid. A political hurricane is out there at sea for him. We'll call it Hurricane Vladimir, if you will, the whole <laughs> Russian thing. There's any day to be watching Ari. It is today. Russia, Russia, Russia. I think this meeting and the revelations about it are a game changer in the investigation because they present the first evidence of actual collusion. This is direct collusion. Collusion's been established. This is the biggest diversion of the Trump crowd. There was collusion. So this picture that uh, the president is so desperate to avoid, this picture of collusion uh, begins to fill in. It does look like collusion. It does look like he's listening to Putin more than he is American intelligence. Given the events of today, the likelihood of impeachment, I'm not saying it's high necessarily, but it certainly went up. Impeachment. Impeached. Impeachment. Impeachment. The president is clearly guilty of high crimes and misdemeanors. He should resign his office or be impeached. Impeachment. 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 Impeachment here. Impeachment. Impeachment. Should the president be impeached? Impeachment. I have not seen anything like this since October 20th, 1973, when President Nixon fired Archibald Cox, the Watergate special prosecutor. Shades of Watergate, clearly the president uh, taking the heat for firing the man investigating him. Some are comparing this to Watergate. Well, uh, it's understandable that people are com comparing it to Watergate. The Capitol is filling with echoes of Watergate. These are the kind of mistakes that were made during Watergate. This could be the last nail in the coffin. Yeah. Stormy Daniels is causing stormy weather. Porn star Stormy Daniels claims President Trump broke the law, had her bullied. Does Stormy Daniels have the president's number? It sure seems that way. President Trump might have met his match. Uh, with Stormy Daniels. How is Stormy weathering this? Stormy speaks. It's not clear what he meant by whole countries. Are you shocked or surprised by this? I'm not surprised. In, in one way, I'm proud. I am a proud polar. No, we are not all created equal. At least not if you are born in, as the president put it, a whole country. The word house instead of whole, as in house countries, not whole countries. I guess he's a Polar. Is there a difference if the president said, uh, whole house? That is who they are. They, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. And anyway, all right, Kevin is in Montana. Let's get to the phones. Kevin, hi, how are you? Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Sean, thanks for taking my call. Greetings from God's country. Greetings hey, um, from God's country. We, well accepted, my friend. Thank you. What's going on? Excellent. Well, you're making me a little nervous. So I, you have all these great questions, and you've been talking about them for weeks, all the possible questions that could be asked to Mueller. Um, but aren't you giving him all the questions ahead of time so he can study and get the best answer to stymie Republicans? Um, Are you scared Well, look, look, at the end of the day, I mean, I have two choices here. I can sit back knowing that there are weak Republicans that don't know how to ask questions, or I can try and help them out because these questions are, are pivotal. You know, everything the Democrats are going to ask basically can be answered in the Mueller report. And basically, they just want him to expand upon, which he says he's not going to do, said he won't do. And he's going to even add to his opening statement the Mueller report as part of his opening statement. I don't know who their big surprise guest is going to be, but we'll find out. It's basically just part of the circus. Um and the reality is, is we need these questions asked. If you only have five minutes worth of time, I'm going to add. I want these questions asked. So if I don't give them the questions, if I don't say it, then they're not going to do it. And if they don't do it, 
then I'm going to regret it by Wednesday afternoon when it's all over, and I don't want to regret it. No, and I I would agree. I agree with you on that. I was just afraid that you know he might be able to get the perfect answer crafted for everyone you ask. Because you ask great. Well, they know it's coming. Listen, you got to understand what's been happening behind the scenes. Mueller is holed up with members of his special counsel staff, and they've been peppering him with questions and preparing him now for days. And I'm sure they've they've been very well aware of everything we've done on radio and TV for the last two and a half years. And by the way, let me explain this. I know that to be a fact. They are very aware of everything that Sean Hannity has reported on and his ensemble team. Linda, can you confirm what I just said is true? Yep. How aware on a scale of one to ten are they what we do every day? Eleven. Exactly. So I'm telling you, they're following it anyway. Um, It's kind of predictable in some ways, but in others, it just it doesn't matter. And how they ask the question, for example, Mr. Mueller, when did you know that there was no that you you could see that there was no collusion? Mr. Mueller, when did you first hear about Hillary's bought and paid for dirty Russian dossier that became the basis for a FISA application? And then if he starts giving along it, Mr. Mueller, I only have five minutes. When did you learn when around, around when did you think you learned? When did you learn James Comey signed it? When did you learn this? I mean, we're going to go through it all. Who fired Struck and Page? And I'm gonna I want those questions answered, but they gotta be short and you can't let him filibuster. You gotta get in his grill a little bit, not to be mean to Mr. Mueller and the service. You gotta recognize and give him the due deference. But these are questions that are not in the Mueller report that need to be answered. Because equal justice matters in picking one topic over another topic and 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 having the broad mandate that allowed him to go in all sorts of crazy directions, but not in the direction of a Russian dossier full of Russian lies that the FBI confirmed 90 plus percent of it was lies. Um, and you don't fix the FISA application even after you know their lies. I want to know why he didn't investigate it. I want to know what he knew about Hillary Clinton's private server. I want to know what he knows about the Espionage Act. All this talk, the Democrats and obstruction, I want to know if he thinks that if somebody gets a subpoena and a preservation letter to save emails, that they delete the subpoena, delete the subpoenaed emails, clean the hard drive, bust up their devices with hammers and remove SIM cards. I want to know if he thinks that's obstruction. I think those are fair questions. What do you think? Well, I, I agree. I'm just we now uh, Attorney General Barr said that. Um, Republicans might not be able to ask questions that were in that weren't in the report. Is that going to hinder a lot of these questions? Will he be able to just duck? You know, that? if he if it was me, I would just keep asking him. So you're not going to answer. Yeah. You're not going to answer. Right. Okay, next question. You're not going to answer that either. The answer. <laughs> right. right. It has to do with Russia. How do why are ta- why are loan applications more in fact more important than a, a presidential candidate paying for Russian lies? That were disseminated right. to the American people through conspiracy media like Michael Isakoff. That's what I would ask. Yeah, so. well, it's going to be exciting. Um, so, hey, Sean, thanks for taking my call. I me, don't uh, want the day after tomorrow for me to have to come on the air and say I should have I should have told them how to do it because they're too stupid. I'm sorry to say this, but I think a lot of Republicans and, and by the way, I I exclude great Republicans like Jordan, Ratcliffe, Meadows, Nunes. Gates, uh, Collins, I mean, these guys are going to kick ass tomorrow. I'm not worried about them. They don't need my help. But I am worried about some of the other Republicans and what they know and, and, and what they don't know. And 
and whether they have the ability to ask short, pointed questions and demand answers. That's what you got to do. If you, I only have five minutes, I'm going right in for what I want to know. And if you, if you give a two-minute question, well, that just ate away two minutes of time. I think there's questions that got to be 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Demand an answer. Yes or no. Did you know that the Clinton campaign paid for a, a lying Russian dossier? Yes or no. What do you mean you don't know? Well, you, you were charged to find Russian interference, and you're saying that didn't matter? You're saying that's not relevant? Why? You know, I think those are fair questions. I'm not trying. This is not personal. This is a business. We need equal justice under the law. A lot of abuse of power took place here. A lot of corruption took place here. You know, people were had their civil liberties stomped on. You know, there's there's more than incontrovertible evidence that that Hillary Clinton had a rigged investigation that allowed her to remain in the race to run for president of the United States because she was the favored candidate. And even the guy that interviewed her allowed special treatment. Uh, well, you can have people come with you during an interrogation. That's not the way they treated General Flynn. What happened to equal justice under the law, equal application on, of our laws? You know, did James Comey, you know, when he signed a FISA warrant and it's an unverifiable document, he was told it was an unverifiable document. He signed it anyway. And then three months later, lied to the president-elect that it was verified. And that, that we've got major problems here. This is what I want to know. I want those questions asked and answered. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN, a toll-free telephone number. Listen, hey, to... All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, tonight, Hannity, yeah, look, there are many Republicans that don't need help, but you only have five minutes for Mueller. We have so many questions that really do need to be answered. Sort of like a tutorial, how to make the most out of the five minutes you have with Mueller, and what are the questions that you should ask, and they should only be 10 seconds. This is born out of necessity. Some of them aren't that sharp. Let's be honest. Some of them are amazing. All right. We'll see you tonight at nine. Thanks for being with us. Then back here tomorrow for the hearings.